Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. Hey, here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. Uh, we're spring football. Spring football is arriving. Um, I'm going to give you three positions that I think as fans we can be confident in moving into the spring and then beyond. We'll, we'll break that down and discuss it for you. And then in the a future episode of the podcast, I'll give you three areas of concern and then kind of see where where you are with this. Uh, again, you can always participate uh, in this podcast by hitting us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, you can hit us uh, on the internet, heartland-sports.com. And then old school email uh, at um, heartland underscore sports at Yahoo. Um, so let's jump into some things. We've got true or false uh, where you're participating in that. Uh, we've got um, the three things to be confident in. And I want to start with something that I, speaking of confidence, I'm pretty confident we have never, ever, ever led with women's basketball, but that's what we're going to do. And, and the reason why we're doing this is because, well, March Madness, right? And uh, and we can't talk about men's basketball in March Madness in the same sentence unless we're talking about the CBI, which I still think there's an outside chance that Oklahoma qualifies for that. But the women's team wins the Big 12 championship a week ago. Yeah, I know this is old news, but I've got some thoughts on it because – you know, right now, the the women's basketball tournament is happening, uh, but I want to talk about the regular season and the finale in Stillwater, the Bedlam game, and the big, big, big to-do about, um, about celebrating the Big 12 championship on Oklahoma State's court. Now, again, you've got to know about this, and, and I, I'm late to the party with it, but here's the thing. This is a fiasco from the get-go. Now, I've, I've got some personal thoughts. But I, w- I want to break down the comments, okay? So just, I'm going to pretend like you don't know what happened, um, and then we'll set this up. Oklahoma State comes from behind. They win Bedlam. They win the Big 12 championship. They celebrate, and Oklahoma State is mad, particularly J.C. Hoyt, the, the coach for Oklahoma State, because they wanted to acknowledge their seniors before, uh, before anything else happened after the game. So they didn't. By the way, they didn't want to acknowledge their seniors before the game started. They wanted to do it after the game, and there's OU celebrating the Big 12 championship, and it's disrespectful to their seniors. This is just plain ludicrous. And and I know I, I got rung up on Twitter for this. I, I know people are going to say, well, Oklahoma, they acknowledge senior after the game as well. Listen, that's apples to oranges, Okay. Uh, you, you can say it's apples to oranges for multiple reasons, but at the end of the day, it's apples to oranges be, because, first of all, OU won, all right? OU won their game on senior senior day. 
Secondly, there was no championship at stake. You know a, a better team is coming to your place. You know the better team has a chance to win the conference title on your floor. And yet you're still going to try to recognize your senior after the game. That, that is a complete failure on the part of Oklahoma State, the coaching staff, and so forth. It is not on Oklahoma. It is not on Oklahoma to not celebrate. That, that's anti-sport. You, you celebrate. That's, that's, that's as part of any game as there is. You pick a game, a team wins a championship, they celebrate. It is their right. They've earned that right regardless of the location, regardless of the venue, regardless of what's supposed to happen afterwards. I feel like that should be common sense. And even for some Oklahoma fans that come out and say, oh, no, 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 no. Oklahoma can't complain about this because they acknowledge seniors after their game. No, they, they can totally complain about this. They can totally make fun of it because they won their game and there was no championship. Apples to oranges, right? But here we go. Uh, Coach Hoyt and really mad about Oklahoma trying to smack her gum and control her temper Um but li- listen to what she says. All right, I've got three clips I'm going to play. <clears throat> excuse me, three clips I'm going to play. And I'm going to give you a little bit of, of, of thought behind these clips. And then I'm going to give you an overall opinion here. You know, try, trying to just get on with things. Um, and uh, I, I can't even really tell you. I was just trying to tell her, hey, you know, let, let's go. And I think she was trying to get her team out just the same. And um, so, I mean, it really wasn't anything more than that. Okay, did you hear that? I was like, hey, I was just trying to tell her, come on, let's go, get your team off the court, whatever. And it really wasn't anything more than that. Well, if it's not anything more than that, well, then why are we talking about a post game? Again, you're upset, your feelings are hurt, you lost, whatever. This is poor sportsmanship. Um, it's kind of like one of those things, hey, let's go. You know, you won the Big 12 title, but can you please get your team off the floor? Because we have more important things to do than to watch you celebrate. All right, that's the first clip. And I told her congratulations. Oh, so you told her congratulations, and that makes everything else okay. That that makes me whining here in the post game. That makes this big story that we're trying to create this narrative to make it back about us. That makes me trying to make you look like the bad guy here winning. How dare you win your conference title on our floor, much less than celebrate it. But I did tell her congratulations. This is one of those things where, you know, really, at the end of the day, actions speak louder than words. And I would be willing to say that for for Coach Barnowski, Oklahoma's head coach, it was probably a, a hollowed uh, congratulations. I would love to have seen, I don't know if there's a camera angle of it or not, but I would have loved to have seen the facial expression when she said, hey, congratulations. Okay, so to me, this is the big one right here. I didn't know that things happen like that at this level. She said, I've never been through anything like it. I, I didn't know that things happen like this at this level. You, you came from Kansas City. Let's, let's stop acting like you have a ton of experience at this, quote, this level. This is big girl basketball, okay? This is, this is the, the, the highest of levels of college basketball. Now, granted, Oklahoma's not UConn, okay? Uh, Oklahoma's a program that had gone had gone down. But th- this is a program that Iowa State was picked number one to win this conference, by the way. Preseason, Oklahoma was number three. They, they had one first place vote in the Big 12. 
They, they came from behind to win in the second half. So you, you've got a coach in Oklahoma State who had a chance to upset a team that was in line to win the Big 12 championship. You blew a second half lead. You watched them celebrate on their home floor and that you didn't know you didn't know that things like this happened at this level. What you, you didn't know people lose and people win. You, you, you didn't know that there were championships at stake. What did you not know happened at this level? The teams actually came in and, and won and, and, and didn't really care about your feelings. Is, is that what you're saying? This whole thing, this whole thing to me, it shows the, the level of pity, pity, petty. It shows the level of petty that this conference has reached. It's the Big Twelve and Oklahoma State. They're they're like a they're like a trust fund baby that's getting cut off by mom and dad. When you think about the bowl appearances, the high level bowl appearances that Oklahoma has achieved over the over the last what twenty plus years, going back to two thousand and winning the national championship, the BCS appearances and the college football playoff appearances, and then regular old Joe, he's going, oh yeah, well how'd you do? Did you win those BCS championships? Well, they won one of them. Did you do well in the college football playoff? No, they didn't. Okay, they lost in the semifinal round every time they made the college football playoff. But you know what they did do? You know what they did do? They made the college football playoff, and every time. Oklahoma made the college football playoff. Guess what? Oklahoma State got paid because they're a member of the Big 12 cashing in on the cash cow that is Oklahoma. The, the, the TV contracts, the revenue that comes because the name Oklahoma is included on that contract. And it's the same with Texas. Texas, granted, has been way worse than Oklahoma in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things as far as competitive level. But when you look at the alumni base that is the University of Texas and the dollar signs, right? The dollar signs that are attached to that, th there's, there's a lot of pettiness going on because all of those dollars are moving to the SEC. And guess what? Oklahoma and Texas, they know their value. They know what they're worth and they're cashing in. And Oklahoma State, they, they thought that they were connected, right? They, they thought they were connected to the University of Oklahoma. Oh, oh, you will never leave the Big 12 without Oklahoma State. Oh, you will never do this and this and this without Oklahoma State. Well, guess what? They did. And now we're seeing, I mean, it, and here's, here's to me the worst part about all of this is that 2023 is really the only year that we're going to get the full onslaught of petty Coming not just from Oklahoma State, they're, they're going to be the kings of the conference in terms of pettiness towards Oklahoma, but across the board, you're going to get a lot of pettiness. And, and I just, I just, I hate that we only get it for one year because it shows, number one, it shows the value that OU is to this conference and what the conference is losing in Oklahoma. And, and number two, I mean, look, there's no, you can't, it's like, you know, when you, when, I, I think I use this analogy a lot. When you, when you squeeze the toothpaste out of the, um, out of the toothpaste container, you can't really go back and, and put it all back in there. In, in Oklahoma State, they squeeze the toothpaste out with their reaction about the announcement. Remember the announcement leaked out that Oklahoma and Texas were leaving. Oklahoma and Texas didn't really deny it. They're like, oh, you know, it's, it's that bad breakup. I didn't really want you to find out this way, but you did, and I'm sorry, but it's true. I'm leaving you. And, and the way that they reacted to this, 
And I say they, I mean Oklahoma State, from the president down through the athletic department. It shows the sense of entitlement that this university has with the University of Oklahoma. I mean, the president said, how dare they make this decision without consulting us? That is in print. It's out there. You can't take it back. You actually were so entitled that you thought the University of Oklahoma needed to seek your guidance and your counsel before they left. Well, this is affecting us. Of course it's affecting us because you're a leech. You're mooching off of the University of Oklahoma and the success of this program, this athletic department has brought in has been something you've benefited from and now you're, you're losing that. And this is the immediate reaction. Oh, Bedlam's dead. We're never going to play Bedlam again. Really? Because I think we can work it into our schedule. No, no, no. no. Bedlam's dead. We're, we're done with it. Okay, Bedlam's dead. Oh, how dare you cancel Bedlam? I mean, that stuff is all out there. It's in print. It's a part of the record. And what we're seeing is just the petty that this conference has become. And don't get me wrong. I, I think I think the Big 12 will survive without Oklahoma and Texas. I, I mean, it's going to be a good conference. I've said I'm on record saying I think it's going to be a fun conference. I, I'm kind of bummed that we only get one year of OU playing in this revived Big 12. And it just goes back to show the poor leadership of this conference because had they made moves like this five or six years ago without Oklahoma and Texas having to force their hand in an effort to survive, had they made those moves, I don't know that Oklahoma and Texas would have left, but they're leaving because this this tech, this this conference just all they they just became mooches. They just that they were mooching and showing no sense of of, of gratitude towards the people that were funding the conference. And so here comes the TCU argument. Oh, well, what about TCU? They made the playoff. Yeah. Not only did they make the playoff, but they made the college football championship game. That's great. How did they do that? They beat Oklahoma and Texas. Now, I'm not taking anything away from TCU. Great season. I, I, I voted. I have a Maxwell Award vote. Max Dugan was my guy. He didn't win, but I wanted him to. Congrats, TCU. But you got there because you beat Oklahoma and Texas. Beating Oklahoma and Texas in the same year carries so much weight that you can lose the Big 12 championship game and still make it into the college football playoff. That's what this conference is losing. It'll be a fun conference. Don't get me wrong. It will be a fun conference. But, but it won't be the same. And, and the fact that Oklahoma State is realizing this it's, it's, it's seeping through everything they do, uh, from the fan base to the administration to the athletic department. It's just seeping in. I mean, if, if Oklahoma State could carry the conference, if they, like, they think they can, oh, we'll be the kings of the conference. If they could carry the conference, the Big 12 would not have had the need to reach out to Houston and to BYU and to, to South Florida and to Cincinnati, Central Florida, sorry. All, all that to say... They needed those teams to continue this conference. So there you go. There's my rant. There's my level of pettiness. First time I think we've ever started the podcast with, with women's basketball. But now we're done with it. We're going to move on. I got three things, three positions that we can be confident in, I believe, heading into spring and beyond. And then we've got true or false. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so that was 14 minutes of, uh, of women's basketball talk that we'll never get back. My apologies, but uh, it was relevant. And by the way, congratulations to Oklahoma, uh, the women's basketball program, Coach Barnatsky and, and so forth. Um, good luck in Kansas City uh, at the tournament. All right, let, let's talk about three positions that I think Oklahoma uh, should be confident in with spring approaching uh, and then, and then beyond. I, th- these are the three positions that I believe are going to lead this team uh, in 2023. Now, across the board, I, I don't think you have confidence at every level of the offense and every level of the defense. But I think if you were going to, to me, if you were going to rank the positions in most to least confident, confidence, th- these are the three that I would start out with. N- number one, I, I think you can be confident in Oklahoma's linebacking core, I, particularly the three guys that I believe are going to start, Danny Stutzman, Jaron Koenig, and, and Justin Harrington. Yeah, that's right. Harrington's still around. He's still at the University of Oklahoma, and I, I think he becomes a, a contributor this year. Now, you look at the loss of linebacker uh, core, you lose David Aguebu, you lose Deshaun White, two of your three top tacklers from 2022. But Danny Stutzman, I believe, is where this core starts. Danny Stutzman, the leading tackler for this team last year, was heavily praised by Brent Venables after the bowl game. And uh, I think he, he's the captain of the defense. I, I don't know that he's just the captain of the defense. I think he's the captain of the team. I, I've talked about him in the past. I, I think he's, he's that guy. Uh, personality-wise, he's that guy talent-wise, he's that guy tenacity-wise. The team will look to him for leadership, and I think it's been a while since Oklahoma had a linebacker who won't just play like the way we're expecting Danny Stutzman to play in his junior season, but really plays at a high level with a high with a lot of success, but also just has the respect of the team, the respect of the media, the respect of the fans. This guy's the real deal. He's going to lead this group. Now, raw talent-wise, I, I don't think it gets any better than Jaron Kanak. We, we saw, again, Oklahoma fans are always going to go back to that Nebraska game last year in Lincoln where Kanak came in and just kind of wowed everybody. And that was all done on raw talent. And Venables was was clear to say Kanak doesn't really know what he's doing yet. He's just out there reacting and, and doing what he's doing off of reacting. But he's taking bad angles. He's out of position. But athletically, he's able to come back and to make a difference. Now, Justin Harrington, I, I don't know where he's going to play because I, I know he's in the running for, for that, that cheetah position. And Brent Venables has, has mentioned uh, you know several guys, including Peyton Bowen, Reggie Pearson. Uh, there's a, a transfer coming in to San McCullough that we haven't even talked about yet. But the, the point is that this group's losing David Aguebu. They're losing Deshaun White. But I think they're taking a step forward. And I mean, I hate to say this because I was big on Aguebu. I was big on White. But I think the talent level, the talent level probably across the board, when you look at depth, has improved from last year to this coming fall. And, and it starts with 
Like I said, Danny Stutzman, 125 tackles in 2022, 10 and a half tackles for loss, the two interceptions. And then you add in McCullough, who I think is going to be that X factor in the linebacking court because I, I think he can do it all. 49 tackles, six and a half for loss, four sacks uh, last year. Now, remember this, though. Also keep this in mind. When we're talking about this group, and, and, and really when you read or hear Brent Venables talk about this group, it's important to remember that Venables is a linebacker guy, okay? Yeah, yeah, he's the head coach. Yeah, he's the de facto defensive coordinator working with Ted Roof. But at the end of the day, Brent Venables is a linebacker. He thinks like a linebacker. He molds and mentors the linebacker. The, the linebacking core, that's his thing. So if we're going to get um, if we're going to get a group that's going to have an intense focus on improvement from year one to year two from the Venables regime, I think it's going to be linebackers. And, and again, don't get me wrong because it, it was a wholesale shopping list across the board with defense, defensive linemen coming out of the portals, uh, defensive secondary guys coming out of the portal. But I think this linebacking core, when you're looking at at who you're going to be confident defensively with, it starts there. I think uh, number two, the, the second position to be to be confident in is going to be at the running back position. Now, obviously, you lose Eric Gray. Um, the kid's going to go to the NFL, and he's going to make uh, somebody happy because he's a multi-talented guy who can run between the tackles. He can hit the outside. He can catch out of the backfield. But if you watch the bowl game and you saw what Javante Barnes and Gavin Salchuk did to that Florida State defense behind a makeshift offensive line, I mean, you can't help but be excited about what the potentials are for this team in 2023. And I think that probably probably we saw the evolution of, um, of, of, of Oklahoma's offense in that bowl game where, where Jeff Levy can rely on these guys more in a workhorse manner and not just need Dylan Gabriel to chuck the ball down the field you know, an, an astronomical number of times per game. Not that, that he did that, but I, I think, I think, uh, just, just, just as a guy analyzing, I think that what we're seeing here is probably a, a turning point towards not just balancing this offense, because it was pretty balanced, but maybe leaning it towards being a bit run heavy. Now, th- this group is young. Right, because Javante Barnes is going to be a sophomore, Salchek a redshirt freshman, and and unfortunately, when you rely on the backs the way they did in the bowl game, we, we saw the significance of of Salchuk's fumble in the Cheez It Bowl. But then you got Marcus Major, you got Dylan Smothers coming in, a four star freshman. I, I think I think Barnes is the guy who steps into that spotlight. But again, you can't over you can't overlook and you can't overstate how electric Salchuk looked in the bowl game against Florida State. But but if you're looking at at a production level, to me the question mark is not can these guys run? Because Barnes, he you know he started two games in 2022. He started against TCU. He started against Florida State. Both of those times, both of those times. He, he rushed for over 100 yards in those games. Salchuk had a 100-yard performance against Florida State. 
So the, so the question for me is not can these guys run the football. I, I think it's proven. I think they showed that they can. There's enough tape out there when the season starts here in what 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 is it March right? So so we got five six months right. So when the season starts, there's enough film out there that that opposing teams are going to have to look at this and go, well okay we got to we got to we got to bow up to these running backs right. So there there's a plus for you right there. The the question for me. It's just this right here. Where does Marcus Major fit into this? Because I think we have living proof of how quickly a guy can go to he has potential to he could have been potential. You know, the the potential, what he could have been, who he could have been within this program. And it's not all his fault. Maybe some of it is, but then you got injuries and so forth. Is it is it possible that in 2023, Marcus Major's contributing factor is to mentor these younger guys, to come alongside Javante Barnes, to come alongside Gavin Solchek, to come alongside Dylan Smothers and say, guys, look, here, here's what you need to look for to achieve. Here's what you need to look for to avoid. Um, here's my story. And I'm not saying he can't be a contributing factor on the field because I think he's proven time and again with flashes here and there of what he can be. But the problem is he's not been, right? I mean, he's just, I mean, with all due respect, he's just never been that guy. And this is his final opportunity. And unfortunately, you, you look at the guys ahead of him, at least based off of the, the bowl performance, you look at the guys that are ahead of him, and I, I don't know how he cracks that. How, how does he get carried? How does he take carries away from Javante Barnes? How does he take carries away from Gavin Salchuk? I don't think he does. And so there you have the issue with Marcus Major. Maybe he turns towards a, a mentor-type role and kind of has a situation where he can spell a few guys. I'm not saying he won't hit the field, but the, clearly this is a two-headed monster, in my opinion, heading into 2023 between Barnes and Salcha. So now becomes this third position to be confident in, and this is probably going to be the least popular of, of my three, but I think the third position you can be most confident in is going to be at the quarterback position. And and as much as some some of the fan base wants this to be the case, it's not. There there is no quarterback competition for QB1. This is Dylan Gabriel's team. And I know Jackson Arnold, the sky's the limit, right? At least it appears that way. But Brent Venables has even said when when we get into this and and camp opens up on the 22nd of March, Jackson Arnold is number last on the quarterback totem pole, and he's got to work his way up. And and the thing about Dylan Gabriel is he's the most productive of all the Big 12 quarterbacks returning in 2023. 63% completion percentage, 3,168 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. There's not a quarterback that's going to start for a Big 12 team in 2023 that has accomplished that in the last season. Now, the battle is going to be at QB number two. And I think we saw like the necessity for that last year when Dylan Gabriel got hurt. We saw the lack of development behind him. And, and I, I think that makes, puts even more pressure on this coming fall to keep Dylan Gabriel healthy. It has to be a priority amongst this offensive line and the tight ends and the running backs and everybody who has a blocking assignment. It has to be. You got to keep this guy healthy. But I, I think with all due respect to, to Davis Bevel, 
I expect this quarterback competition at, at the number two spot to really be between General Booty and Jackson Arnold. I think this is where Jackson Arnold makes his mark. Uh, on this program is at QB number two, and 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 I don't. This isn't something that's going to be resolved in the spring. Obviously, you want to be at the spring game. You want to see, uh, you want to see how he looks, okay? Uh, because sometimes these kids come in with a with a high profile, and then they very much look like a true freshman, and and that's okay. That's that's typically how it works, right? But how much progress can he make in that QB number two? And then if the scenario does present itself uh, in the fall of 2023, what do you do with that backup spot? I, I think in spot duty, probably you go to general booty. Didn't mean to rhyme there, but it just came out that way. Uh, but I think if it's a significant uh, time away, then you look, you start looking at Jackson Arnold. So there you have it. There's your, uh, to me, the top three positions uh, to be confident in going into 2023. You got the linebacking core, you got the running backs, you got the quarterback. Now we got question marks. Uh, we'll hit those up in a different podcast, but hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland, Sports Heartland on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts. Okay, last but not least, it's uh, it's my favorite part of the podcast, true or false, where you guys get to chime in with your questions. You say a true or false statement. I tell you whether I believe that statement is true or false based off of uh, my opinion and my opinion alone. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree. Uh, always you can participate at heartland-sports.com. Each podcast has its own uh, page there where you can go in and you can write a question. You can agree or disagree. Obviously, Twitter works as well. At sports at 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 sports Heartland on Twitter and then Heartland Sports at yahoo.com as well. If you just want to do email, here we go. Uh, five questions, five statements. I'll tell you whether it's true or false, and uh, we'll go with this one. Starting with Dylan, uh, true or false? Oklahoma softball is better this year than the last two national championship teams. Um, Dylan, this is true, and that's why we're recording this podcast. Oklahoma leads Mississippi State nine to nothing in the top of the second. Now, the Bulldogs were a team that made it to, the, I believe, the, the Super Regional. I think they hosted a Super Regional last year. So it's not just a run-of-the-mill type program that they're crushing for the second day in a row. And we've talked about this. I, I mean, just there's different ways we answer this question, but it always comes back with being true. It, it This team, they lost who they lost from last year. But Patty Gasso worked miracles in the transfer portal, bringing in girls like Alex Duraco, bringing in, um, you know, some Sidney Sanders and Haley Lee and uh, bringing up young people from the recruiting trail like Josh, Jocelyn Erickson. This team is loaded. They are loaded to bear. And, yeah, I agree. Now, ultimately, the, the telltale is going to be do they win the championship. Um, sitting at just one loss on the season, which was a shocker to Baylor, um, they've demolished They've demolished number one UCLA. They they're demolishing Mississippi State. They, I mean, they they've just crushed every ranked opponent that they've played so far this season. The huge game coming up against Florida State because Florida State beat Oklahoma State. I fully expect the Seminoles to beat uh, to be number two when Oklahoma plays them. So it'll be one versus two matchup. And the Sooners will be on the other side of that. You know, when they played UCLA, Oklahoma was the hunter. UCLA was the hunted. Now it's going to be reversed. The good news is that game's in Norman. Um, But to answer your question, Dylan, emphatically, yes. At at this point, on March 11th, it 100% looks like this team 
is better than the back-to-back championship teams that Patty Gasso has already produced um, in the last two years. And looking for that three-peat, uh, I think you got to say uh, a month into this process, it looks like it'll be, barring like a significant injury or something like that, um, it looks like it'll be a flat-out disappointment if it doesn't happen to be another championship for the University of Oklahoma. Um, here we go. Morgan says this, uh, OU football coaches getting a pay raise is a joke. <laughs> um, obviously, Morgan's not happy with six and seven, uh, but guess who else isn't happy with six and seven? That would be Brent Venables, Joe Castiglione, and so forth. But Morgan, what if I told you this? What if I told you, what if I told you that pay raises and coaches' salaries it wasn't based solely on wins and losses. What if I told you that this, this package is based off of revenue? How much money does this program make and how much credit do those coaches get for earning those dollars? That's what this comes down to. Now, you, you string along a, a group of losing seasons and you start seeing that revenue drop, and then you begin to take money away from coaches, then you have to replace assistants and coordinators and so forth. One year into this thing, this pro- have you looked at season tickets? Because I renewed my season tickets last month, and they, they didn't go down in cost. I mean, they, they had a losing season at six and seven, but that ticket price didn't decrease, it increased. And yeah, so Morgan, no, it's not a joke, it's the real deal, this, t- this, this program, is making money, it's making money off of attendance, it's making money off of TV packages, it's making money off of marketing, it's making money off of sales, um, and and these coaches are, are reaping the benefits of that. Now, they've got to win. They've got to put together some winning seasons. I think we hopefully get to see that change in 2023. But at this point, uh, no, it's not a joke, uh, Morgan. This is the real deal. Uh, these coaches are getting that raise based off of that. Um, sticking with football, John says this, Hey, we're sleeping, true or false, we're sleeping on Isaiah Coe. Um, man, John, here's the thing. I want to say this is true. I think I've reached the point that I, I can't. I, I think for all the things I said about Marcus Major earlier in this podcast, I got to say the same thing about Isaiah Coe. I just, I mean, the guy, I, I want him to succeed. I do. I want him to be that guy in the middle. I really thought he would be the dude to step up in Perry and Winfrey's place in 2022, and he wasn't. Now, he played in 11 games. He made five starts in 2022, uh, but he recorded 19 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss. And I get it that those aren't, especially on the interior of the defensive line, the, the total tackles, that, that's, not, that, that's not what you're graded by. You're graded by how much opportunity did you create for the guys behind you and the guys on the edge. I get all of that. But here's the thing. If Isaiah Coe was the man for 2023, if he was the guy that we're sleeping on, then why did Oklahoma have to go in and, and get Lacey out of uh, out of Notre Dame? Why did they have to go to Oklahoma State? Why did they have to go into other programs and beef up this defensive line with guys that might start over Isaiah Coe? It's not just they did it for depth. They did it because they need impact guys on that defensive line. And 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 look, John, I want I want that to be Isaiah Coe. I just think I'm past the point. Like Marcus Major, I'm past the point where I can say it will be Isaiah Coe. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, Sandy says this. Hey, we're moving back to softball. And by the way, I love the softball talk. I, look, if softball's not for you, not, look, women's basketball, to, to start off this podcast, that was an anomaly. 
But the reality is softball talk is something that's going to happen with regularity. We've had Chris Plank on this podcast. We cover the games uh, through, um, you know, the media access and so forth. We're going to talk about softball. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of that. And, I, man, it's a sport that's growing. And I say this all the time. I say it. Give it a shot. If, you're, if, you, if you haven't followed softball, if you're not following softball, at least give it a shot. But do it in person. Try to find an opportunity to do it in person. Uh, Sandy says this, true or false, Alex Duraco is Oklahoma's ace pitcher. Sandy, this is true, but it's interesting at this Bulldog Invitational that Oklahoma's playing in that um, Straco hasn't pitched. You had Nicole May, Jordy Ball on Friday. Saturday's game is taking place right now, and it's Jordy Ball again in the circle. They got uh, inclement weather moves in. They're going to get canceled on Sunday. They, they added a game Monday back in Norman. By the way, you might want to try to grab some tickets if you've never been. But there's no Alex Duraco for Oklahoma this weekend. So I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to agree with you, Sandy. Up until this point, she has been the ace. She has been 100% the ace. But um, I'm just curious. I'm interested in what happened this weekend and why she's they're in the third game of the weekend. I guess third and final game now of the weekend. And I'm curious as to why she hasn't thrown. Um, last one, Manuel says this. Um, uh, true or false, no one cares about men's basketball anymore. And then he puts in parentheses, in parentheses women's basketball, the Big 12 champs, softball, baseball, spring football, as if all those things have passed up what has been a subpar basketball season. Uh, and, and Manuel, I'm going to disagree with you because I think there are a lot of people who care about Oklahoma basketball. And people are divided on Porter Mosier. I get that. Now, I'm, I'm on the side. I'm on the side of the fence where I, I think Porter Mosier, I mean, he needs time, okay? He's, and I've said it. I've expressed it. He's been eaten up by the transfer portal two years in a row. He's got to retain guys. If he doesn't retain guys uh, this offseason, then they really, really, really uh, begin to question him. Uh, but I, you just saw flashes of the potential of what this team can be if he gets the guys in place. And, and, and think about this. Uh, put, put Brady Manick on last year's team. Put, um, put Mo Gibson and Elijah Harkless on this year's team. It's a different result. And that's just the impact of the transfer portal. And he's got to be able to get those guys when he loses them. He's got to be able to get those guys that come in to be at the same level. He's not been able to do that. But the, the truth is there's a lot of people who care about this program. There's a lot of season ticket holders. There's a whole big conversation about the building. All this stuff is going on because people care about basketball. They're passionate about it. And 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 should, should Oklahoma get an invitation to the, the NIT? I don't think that's going to happen. But should they get an invitation to the NIT? Should they get an invitation to the CBI, which I think is their best shot? You're going to see a lot of people tune in. If those games are in Norman, you're going to see people in attendance. Why? Because they care. So there it is. That's it for this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. Thanks so much uh, for our five people who participated in True or False. Thank you for listening and downloading. Sorry about the background music. I got to record this from a hotel lobby. Um, But it is what it is. You guys are the best. If you like the Sooner Nation podcast, please make sure you subscribe to it. If you don't like it, we get it. We're not, you know, we're, we're one of many options out there, but thanks for checking us out. Uh, please hit that like button. Give us a good rating um, and uh, have a great week, everybody. Boomer Sooner. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be.
the man who thinks I'm next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I haver, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's havering to you. But I would walk 500. 